To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome, everyone, to... Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast... With no direction. What's up, everybody? You know that song. You know this voice. It's your boy, Rook. Joining me, as always, is the man who you just can't keep him down, even if you detach a retina. It's Mr. Don Moore. Hello, everybody. (laughs) So, Don is actually uh, in recovery still. Thank you so much for coming on again uh, for today. But let's greet our guests. Coming to us from Worthy Chaos Comics with the comic book Redemption. Everybody say hello to Carissa Grant. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on. I, you know, looking at your project, this this looks like such a cool project. <laughs> you mentioned when you messaged us that you're new in writing comic books and working in the industry. What brought you to the to doing redemption so what really happened was um i am a role player of uh 17 years so um i actually role played a lot i role play as claire redfield from resident evil for 15 years um and i was role playing online and i met my co-writer um and we decided to I, i asked her if she wanted to write a story with me and she's like sure so i sent her a very long starter and she loved it and we kind of got carried away and in two years time we wrote 11 novels (laughs) and these are not short novels these are like 90 to 133,000 words so these are not not short novels um now five of these novels is this series uh five is uh um a spinoff series and uh the other one is a prequel so these five equals about 50 issues. So we already have 50 issues written for this series one redemption. Holy so. cow. Yeah. And we didn't want to waste it. <laughs> well, actually what happened was we originally wanted to see if we can, you know, like release it as a book, but because we wrote it in RP format an editor said you would have to pretty much smash the whole thing together. And we didn't want to change our story at all. So we decided to just release it for ourselves. We were just going to print it. And I actually went and found, I was trying to find an artist just to print our cover for us so I can print it from like lulus.com or whatever. Mm-hmm. So all I could find was really cartoony kind of artist. And I asked her if it was okay, if, did you mind a cartoony? And she said, no. And I was like, well, what about a comic book? And she's like, okay. So like idiots, I jumped out and just hired an artist and I went to bed that night. And I was like, I'm writing her. And I'm like, I don't know how to do script. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do it. So she's like, you figure it out. So the next day I got up and I uh, watched the YouTube video for 20 minutes. So I was like, all right, I can do this. So I sat down. I converted our, you know, our story to script one. And then the letter is like, did you, did you want to see any of the art? Or did you just want all dialogue? <laughs> so my one script became two. So I was, uh, I was, I already had two, two issues written. Um, so we started about six months ago. Um, I'm one of those stupid that people said, um, how hard can it be? (laughs) It's actually quite hard. Um, 
but uh, it's also incredibly exciting to see our story, you know, release onto, uh, to see it play out, you know, in, a, in an issue. Um, and uh, the story is a little bit more unique than others because, because we're role players, our two characters are written by two completely different people. So you have these two completely different personalities. Yeah, because I wrote yeah. every every thought, speech, and action for Serafina, which is the angel descendant, and she wrote for Draven, the demon descendant. So it's when you're reading it, you could see that they're they're nothing alike. <laughs> so uh, the for our listeners, um, give them just a quick synopsis of what redemption is. So um, it's kind of a, the simplest at the simplest thing is it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Supernatural in the town of Silent Hill in the Resident Evil world because it has all of that in it. Um, and others have called it in a short, short version is Romeo and Juliet in Hell, which is oh. accurate too. Um, but uh, it's pretty much the um, angel descendant and demon descendant are trying to get away from their fathers who are uh, an angel and a demon who are after an angelic weapon with the power of souls that she was created out of. So they want this because having it would give them the power to tip the scales in either heaven's favor or hell's favor. So they're kind of surviving, trying to survive against them. So it's kind of a survival adventure, you know, through a horror supernatural story. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Never so- boring. <laughs> Lots of questions here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these these two characters are they Nephilim? Um, so she technically is sort of like one um, because her father um, is an angel and her mother isn't human, so it's not completely one. But um, her mother is a Celtic goddess, so she's not an angel. So they couldn't have kids together. So he used his angelic weapon to make her from it. Um, Now, the thing about the weapon is all of our uh, demons and angels are from scripture. So their their duties are accurate. Um, Her father is Remnal, who is the judgment of souls. So he that's kind of what started the whole thing. He judges souls from Earth and brings them to heaven. And like a weirdo, I was like, well, how does he carry these in his pocket? So I created this weapon for him to fill it with souls and bring it up. Um, so this is the angelic weapon that he uses. Um, and Draven's father uh, used to try to get that weapon. They're not related at all in mythology, but ironically, um, the father is a chaos demon who eats souls, devours souls on the judgment of uh, on the judgment bridge. And the funny thing is, the Remnal's power is lightning, and Asmin, the demon, he, he's immune to all kinds of lightning, including magic and natural. So they have nothing to do with each other in scripture. And we didn't know it when we started, but they just fit really well together. So yeah. it worked out great. And we didn't know it at the time either that Remnal actually was the first one to commit sin against God and was the first one to make a Nephilim. So it kind of fit even that, but it, we didn't know that when we started. So, oh, wow. so a lot of things in our story fit that we didn't really realize. Um, like she has a little Apollo rat in the spinoff in the um, – the what if story um and we called it apollo because he has a sun on his on his eye and i just really liked it i had no idea that apollo was the lord of rats and uh, or the lord of rodents i had no idea that apollo was associated with who he chose for her mother for celtic 
So it was kind of just everything just fit in a really crazy manner. So wow. it's just meant that, to be. <laughs> that is awesome when 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 you're writing and everything's just fitting together <laughs> and like it just by pure coincidence these things just they're 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 oppositing each other or they're connecting yeah. in some ways. That's fantastic. I love it was that. Crazy. It, the more we would research it. Because we didn't even know, we didn't know Draven's father when we first started. We just chose a demon. We, I knew it was Remnell because that's what started the whole thing. Um, and we didn't know her mother at all until like we were finished writing, and we were like, we need her mother for series two. And we're like, let me look it up. So I looked up, uh, it's Serona or Serena, um, and she's a Celtic goddess which has the power to heal. Go, oh, she was the goddess of the healing hot springs, not realizing that. We've been using Serafina to uh, heal. She heals Draven all the time and takes on the wound for herself. So right there, it already healed and fit. And two, Serafina is a falling star and Serona is the goddess of the fallen star. So again, just magically fit. So just, uh, it was just perfect. You can't beat that. (laughs) That's that's fantastic when stuff just works like that. Uh, Now, you mentioned that, you're writing Serafina, and then your co-writer is writing Draven. Yep. How does that work exactly? So how it starts is I set the story and the tone. So what I'll do is I, like in the very beginning, I sent her like a 4,000-word starter about Serafina, um, and we decided to make them know each other from uh, the past. So they started, but it starts out like um, her showing a flashback or whatever. So I write about her flashback and I write about her winding up in the town uh, that they wind up uh, in issue one, which is the town merging with hell, which is very Silent Hill-esque in it. Yeah. Um, so I'll write everything that happens. And then my co-writer will go and write Draven's point of view to what happened in my chapter. So she would add all his words, his actions, how he responds to my character and um, his thoughts and how it, it goes um, with the story. So, and then she'll continue a little bit more um, and then I will start the next chapter and then she will write it. So it's kind of her reacting to what I write in the story. So okay. that's why it kind of didn't fit as a novel because you'd re- literally be reading the same chapter twice, just in two different perspectives. Two different perspectives, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, what a fascinating way to write it though. And yeah. so- then the the two of you have to come together and be like, okay, this part, this part, you, you gotta you gotta piece the parts all together and figure out the best the best layout or best direction for the writing. Uh, that's gotta be hard to do. Uh, have you have y'all butted heads with like, no no no, I really need this part in here. Nope, I have to tell you, we have called each other soul writers since the day one. Everything just fits, and whatever I'm thinking. She either thought it or loved it and added to it or vice versa. Like we've never had an idea like we're not doing that. Well, there I think it was like one or two because it was we like to torture our characters just a little too much. So <laughs> it, was, it was slightly too harsh. We will tell the other one, oh, we probably shouldn't do that just yet. Um, but generally, nope, we just build on it off of each other. You know, I'm saying I'm going to go do this and and I'm, I'm going to go through, you know, whatever and she's like all right bring it on so so she doesn't even know what i'm gonna do until i send it to her so like she has an idea but i i don't even know half the time when i'm writing it i'm you know and i'm i'm pretty sure the character in my head has a mind of her own because 
I, I can tell you at least one scene that I was arguing with myself, like, this makes no sense. Like, why am I writing this the way it's written? And I'm like, this, I got to start over. And, the, and my, my character in my head's like, I'll just keep going. And when I was done, it did make sense. And it was an awesome scene. And I still have no idea where it came from. Um, so yeah, I've, my character probably is, is controlling everything and I'm just a puppet. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not quite sure anymore. When you have, it, it, it's funny you say that because talking with other writers, uh, you know, we've heard heard the whole like the character knows what's happening. They're just telling me yep. and I'm putting it the on profit. paper. <laughs> yeah, what a definition of profits. We just get told what to say. And we're being used completely. Um, but yeah, the, like I said, the, the characters have a mind of their own and the story just flowed magically. And we didn't even realize what we wrote until we were done. And lots of times we would write something, we'd get an idea, mostly from a dream or something. And we're like, we have to draw this now. We have to write this now. And then we would write it and then figure out how to add it in later. You know, so lots of times we were like all over the place. So by the time two years is up, we didn't even realize what we wrote until I was like, do you know we have like 11 novels? She's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And we're still writing. Um, we're finishing up book five of the spinoff um we have the beginning the end and most of the middle done but we're like tweaking it and we've already started series two for redemption so we have the 50 issues for for um uh series one um and if you don't read the epilogue it ends happy don't read the epilogue um the epilogue leads into series two and we're about i don't know maybe five six issues into that so we're we're always full of ideas. I just sent her um a six thousand dollar uh, six thousand a six thousand word chapter yesterday. So she's working on that, and then she sent me a chapter. So I'm working on that. So we're actually doing two at the same time, um so that we're always having something to work on. Um and uh, we we have withdrawals if you don't write. So we just pretty much write every day. <laughs> oh. So when you're reading this story, I mean, well not you, but anyone that's read it so far. Have they said anything about the different voices between you and your writing partner? Like, does it sound, you know what I mean? Like, does it sound like a different person? They Do don't usually say it and, until after I say it. They'd be like, I did, like, they did realize it, but I didn't. They just thought it was a really, I was like, I'm not that good of a writer. They just thought I was a really good writer. Um, but I had, I, I was told that they love the dialogue. There's really easy flowing dialogue between them. Um, it helps when you're writing a novel because when you're writing a comic book, you know, when you do the script, you have to think of what they say. And we don't do that when we write a novel, we just write it. Yeah. So I think that's why the dialogue has flowed so nicely for us. We got really lucky with that. Um, we also have thought bubbles because we wrote from a novel. So most of it was them thinking half the time, especially Draven. You'll notice that Draven has way more thought. The characters are a lot like us. Like, as you can see, I could talk nonstop and, you know, Pretty much, I don't say anything I don't think, which is pretty much my character. Um, and with Draven, I mean, she's more quiet than me, and she thinks a lot more than I do. So you could see, especially in issue, like, um, I think it's issue five that we, we're about to release. Um, Draven has this internal conflict, you know, about how he feels about it. Like, he knows how he feels about her, but he can't really get it out. So you get to see that internal conflict, and he he never actually quite gets it out. Um so it's it's just this frustration that he has. He feels like he's not worthy to her because, you know, they were separated for 10 years. They thought each other was dead. Um, and in that time, she trained as a supernatural hunter and he trained as an assassin. So he did things that he normally wouldn't have done. 
and he thinks that she would resent him for that or hate him for that. Um, and she feels like a burden. So she feels bad all the time for him because she, her angelic blood, which she doesn't realize that's the reason, um, attracts everything negative, you know? So since they were teenagers, there was always this kind of bad luck that she's carried around. So she always feels like a burden. And that's actually where the name worthy chaos comes from. She's the worthy chaos. Um, because he always says that she's worth it. Uh, everything he has to put up with, you know, so that's why I named it that because it was just so fitting. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's very chaotic. Um, and, uh, the, the issues that we are now, um, so this Kickstarter for June is issues one through five. Um, and it's part of the first book. The book, first book is seven issues. So, and we have a Kickstarter and re- release every other month. So we're really fast. Um, so yeah, I've already done. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we're, my artist is really fast and we're already written. So there's nothing to hold us up um, except, you know, losing the house eventually if we don't sell enough of them. Um, <laughs> but our next one. Um, so this one's June. And then we have uh, August 8th and then we have October 3rd and October is our uh our last issue for book one and then the actual graphic novel for book one which is like 225 pages <laughs> okay so everything's going to be co- uh, collected into a graphic into a trade for book one yeah for book one. okay yeah right. and then book two would start january 23rd and we would release the, do the same thing next year it's also seven issues and we would release it probably around october or whatever and have that book out um and then um, that's supposed to be our favorites, but book three is my favorite. So when book three comes out, there's actually 10 issues because you can see that I went a little bit ballistic in the writing department. Um, so it'll be a little bit, little bit longer. But like it, book one is most like Silent Hill. You know, they're trapped in a, um, um, an, um, a town merging with hell. Um, they have to deal with um, hellhounds and ghosts and demons and uh, zombies and vampires and everything there. Um, and then book two is kind of like Resident Evil one, where they're trapped in a, an asi- um, a haunted asylum and there are zombies and ghosts. And we have these things like liquors that are on the ceiling, the giant salamanders that go around. And then book three is uh, mostly Resident Evil two, where they're in um, a zombie infested city trying to escape and they run into other survivors, which we mostly did because it makes Draven jealous of what's going on. <laughs> so we just like mentioning somebody else. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's definitely, uh, they're all connected, but they have their own little environments, you know? Wow. Wow. Uh, I, you know, you mentioned about the speed in which you're doing this. And so you're, you're dropping a Kickstarter every, every other month, but let's talk about for a fact that if I'm seeing this right, you posted the thank you fully funded May 16th. And then on May 27th, you're like, everything's shipped. Yeah. I, I ship really fast. Yeah. How the hell did you get everything printed and shipped? Cause like we're talking, we're talking with other creators that are like, yeah, my printer's like, you know, uh, uh, slow, uh, you know, people are having print printing problems, production problems. You're dropping, you're you're fully funding and and printing within like no time at all. Yes, I. Who do you know at the printing company? I I pay more to have it printed and shipped to my house within six days. Mm. So by the time I I actually ship them out, I think three 
four days before I actually got any money from Kickstarter. So it hadn't even been the full two weeks. Um, and I stupidly, but for, I just, I don't know why, but I, I hand wrap every single one of them. So like, I like it to be like a gift. So like they unwrap it like a gift. So I don't know if I could do that when there's 200 backers, but we had 90 backers and I was able to um, get them all wrapped and I did them all in one day. And it actually wound up being three trips to the post office because I was doing them faster than, you know, I thought I would. So like my husband was going out, I was like, here, take these to the post office. And then he came back. He's like, I have to go out again, take these to the post office. And then I finished. I was like, I'm going to take these to the post office. So yeah, it was all in, I, I packed and shipped them all in one day. I did have them, you know, in order. Like I had everything sectioned. I had all the boxes made. Um, I had everything set up and ready to go. Uh, I had all the little, I always have way too many and I don't care, way too many trinkets that go with each reward. Like my friend yells at me. She's also a comic person because you put too many things in there. I was like, I don't care. Yeah. So I have like, I think it was like, I think this one was like four stickers, uh, trading card, uh, poster print, um, a button. Uh, and then the, the, the earlier, the, the ketchup tier was, uh, like a couple more buttons and stickers and like a keychain. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, things too. And I had them all in these little cool bags. Uh, so yeah, all, all I had to do was wrap them when I got them. I, I, I think I packed them the, the day I got them or the day after I got them. I think I got them at night. And then the next day I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start working on these. I already had all, I had all the bags and boards all set up. So it's just like a conveyor belt of I'm going to do this, do this, do that. <laughs> so now this is the stuff that's coming in the comics to pretty much, to pretty much every backer. Yeah. But I want to talk for a second about some of the other things on this last <laughs> Kickstarter, like <laughs> statues, a homemade <laughs> statue. Yes. And I see him in your lap, this adorable plushie. <laughs> This is my, um, no, they can't see it, but this is my emotional support Anubis. Um, he has a, his own little staff that he holds. Oh my God. Um, and these are all handmade. Um, we are working on getting them commercially made so that people can afford them more because these are really expensive to make uh, yeah. because they're handmade. Uh, and I have been talking to some developers um so we are working on that my husband's like where are you gonna store all these i was like oh they'll sell i mean everyone loves anubis um he became such a popular character and i'm not gonna lie he wasn't really through the he was like issue two and that was it but i loved him so much and everyone else loved him so much that i'm like i'm just gonna add him to the rest of the story so he's actually in all the issues and the fun thing about him in book three, so he's actually not bad because some people have come to me and said, you know, he's the god of the underworld. He's not bad. I was like, he's not bad. He's being controlled by her father with the remote control that he carries around. So you'll see something in his hand and that's the remote control. So he's controlling him to go after his daughter. But Anubis starts to try to overpower it, especially when I don't ask me why he befriends um, uh, one of the rejected hellhounds. So he actually plays fetch with him in the last issue. It wasn't intentional. This hellhound came up to him, handed him a stick. He took it and threw it, and the hellhound brought it back. So now in every issue, the hellhound is, like, following him around with a stick in his mouth. Um, and so he became kind of like his pet, which, of course, was used against him. So, um, But it's they're adorable together, and everyone loves them together. So I'm actually doing the plushie now for um, for the hellhound with the broken horn. He's got a broken horn. 
Um, but yeah, we have plushies galore. I know no one can see them, but we have, um, I'll show you guys. So this is our demon. We have um, skeleton um, bird, which is actually oh. one of my favorites. And then we have our uh, merman, um, our zombie merman from issue two. Um, and this is Apollo, the rat from the prequel. So, or from oh, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've got, we've got lots of plushies. <laughs> See, what happened is I've been called the merch queen now because I have so much. Like you said, I have the handmade statues. I have pillows. I have 3D printed statues, resin printed statues. Um, what pretty much happens is I buy everything I want and it's tax deductible to offer it to other people. So, ta-da! Best hobby ever. Loophole. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all my collecting years have been wasted. This is what I should have been doing the whole time because I love collecting stuff and now I can have you know, everything that uh, is like my statue. But um, like I said, I have the pillows, which I absolutely love my pillows. Um, and yeah, the pillows were actually more popular than I thought. We actually have more in the next Kickstarter. We have uh, gold coins, gold plated coins with Anubis on it. Um, I think we have some other stuff. I think we have stitched bookmarks with Anubis on it. Uh, I ordered a bunch of uh, resin molds, so I'm going to start making um, resin magnets and some candles, and so we'll just have tons of merch. So oh, goodness, yeah. <laughs> I'll regret it eventually when I can't ship them all. But yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's when you take it all to a convention and be like, here you go. Yeah, you know it's funny because my husband's always made fun of me because I told him I wanted to get Anubis commercially created, and he's like, oh, you know, whatever. He didn't really take me serious. We were at the convention this past weekend in Nashville. Everyone wanted something Anubis. And he says to me, you got to bring more Anubis stuff. I was like, I told you, I told you, I need more Anubis stuff. So yeah, he's quite popular. And um, that's why I'm, well, you can't, they can't see him, but I have a really cool banner that Anubis is on, which is, um, I sent him, I had uh, bookmarks for the last one. And uh, the, one of the stretch goals was the bookmark for the banner, which is really cool. It was Anubis fighting a demon and it was, it's actually pretty cool. So, yeah, everyone loved that. I sold a lot of prints. I sold a lot of three sets. I only bring issues one, two, three um, to the convention because I just don't want to carry, like, a ton of boxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I already have five out. So, and um, I don't know if you guys were aware, but I actually had a different artist for issue one originally, and they screwed me over, and I lost three grand. And oh, they stole three grand, and then I I lost two grand, uh, another two grand trying to fix it with other people, and I released it as a kind of a mini Kickstarter with people just new, um, and I wasn't going to redo it, but my new artist was just so good, I was like, you have to go back and fix one, and my husband's like, I told my husband, I was like, can we can we redo one? He's like, how much did you pay for it? I was like, um, five grand. He's like, how much would it be to redo it? I'm like, less than five grand. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Problem solved, but my artist did my characters exactly how I picture them in my head. And so he did issue two, issue three, and then he went back and did issue one. Um, so it worked out better. And it, and it sucks to lose that money, but it was worth it to find him because he's yeah. just Jonas DeCosta is an amazing artist. And I hate telling people that because he's not allowed to go anywhere. So like I don't want him to get too popular. <laughs> but um he promises he won't leave because he loves the story too. Uh, he actually went on vacation for 30 days and my husband's like, don't bother him when he's away, which is, was not easy. Um, so I was like, fine. 
So I didn't I didn't talk to him at all. And then two weeks in, he's like, I really miss drawing this story. <laughs> he's oh. like, I can't wait to the end of, of my vacation. I was like, enjoy your vacation, but hurry up and back because we're having withdrawal okay. from lack of pages. So that that is just awesome when your artist is like, Hey, I'm going on vacation. Hey, I'm halfway through my vacation. I'm bored. I really you know. <laughs> yeah, gonna, you really um, can't buy that kind of loyalty. I've had like at least five people try to take his job. They even offered to either be less than him or whatever. And I said, nope. I said, even if, which it wouldn't happen, even if I didn't uh, have the loyalty I had, you know, he has the tech, the, the style I want, you know, and he's gotten so much better. I know there was a, a few issues with, I guess, coloring. I don't notice it. I love it. Um, but he's gotten so much better that I even had somebody ask me on this last one, um, is this the same artist? And I said, yeah, he's just, he's gotten way better. Um, and he knows the characters now. And if he sees something, <laughs> he reads something, he's like, are they going to be okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. Let's, we're going to torture them for a little while and they'll be, pff, they'll be fine. Um, but yeah, he just loves it as much as we, we do. So he's hopefully going to stay around for all 50 issues. Um, and as quick as he is, it'll probably be done sooner than, <laughs> you know, soon. Yeah. Um, and he may hopefully do the, uh, the spinoff. So we'll see. Um, the spinoff is a what if, um, so it, for this series, I don't know if you read the issue one, but, um, they're separated by the demon, uh, kills her parents and then they get separated. He thinks that she's dead. He thinks that she's dead. So they, they don't, they don't have each other. They're supposed to run away together that night and it, it didn't happen. Um, in the, what if they actually do run away before the murder happens. So now instead of having a assassin, and a supernatural hunter, you have two teenagers that have never been out of the house and like have never done any fighting. They don't know anything exists, any demons or nothing. So you have these two pretty much being attacked by everything, not even knowing how to defeat them. So you get to see the characters grow and train and learn, especially Serafina, who hides behind Draven in the beginning. And you could see her kind of become a kick-ass character. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that, that, that buildup of the character. And I'm not going to lie. We, we, <laughs> this sounds really stupid, but we, we made the spinoff because we were upset that they lost those 10 years together. <laughs> so like the further into the story we would write and we would have the character saying, I, you know, I, I really hated that we lost those 10 years and, and I can't believe we were separated. So we, we felt guilty and then we had to give them the spinoff. So yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so um. The artist is doing all the visuals. He's doing the coloring and the lettering as well as penciling and inking. Everything. Everything. <laughs> that, that's something else. Um, I do have one question on the writing style. You said you went to a YouTube video, watched it for 20 minutes. <laughs> for the script, what, yeah. Yeah. What, um, what did you change? What, how did you approach it differently? For this, well, I originally wrote it in novel form. I didn't know how to convert it <clears throat> into a script, like a comic script. Right. So the video was to show me how to, you know, put the scenery and how to do the dialogue and all that. And I probably still don't do it like I'm supposed to. Um, but, yeah, so I, I pretty much had to learn to do the, the panels and and uh, all that stuff. But pretty much uh, with Jonas, he does kind of his own thing with the panels. So yeah. I wound up I originally had five to six panels and I actually lowered it to three to four so that he can turn it into, you know, five to eight, depending on the action or whatever. So he has a lot more freedom than um, I didn't understand in the beginning because we kind of butt heads a little bit because he, he, this is his first job. So he's never done, you know, a paid job for comics before. Um, 
So he had this vision and I had a vision and we were trying to compromise. And finally I was like, listen, I need all of this in a certain page. So I'm going to cut it in half, which is going to turn this series into like 50 issues. Um, but if it's going to pay off in the end, then we'll, we'll do it. So it, and it did. And, and everyone loves the panel work he does and uh, his action scenes are really well done and, and it turned out really good. So I got lucky. Yeah. His panel work is very strong. I mean, yeah. the, the way that the, they move, the dynamic of it and everything. I mean, I, and he's never done paid comic work before. Nope. He did one. He did his own comic uh, graphic novel, but he never released it. He never got paid for it. It's just something you can get on Globex. Um, but yeah, I was the first person. And when I found him now, I had spent thousands on trying to find an artist. I was so picky uh and it drove me crazy and insane and uh i it took months and by the time i got to where i needed to find you know the the new one um it was it was it was so emotional draining and i finally posted my story and said if anyone wants to do a free test page um then if i select you i you'll have a 50 issue story or whatever so i had five people working on free pages and he came and said, are you, you know, are you, are you uh, taking any more submissions? And I said, well, here's how I'll play it with you. I said, uh, and I didn't like his style at all. It was super realistic because he used to do portraits. So I was like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So I said, um, you could do a free page now and I'll look at it or you can wait till I'm done. And if these five, if I don't accept any of them, then I'll pay you to do a page. And he's like, I'll do a free one. And he sent it in and I was like, well, sh- damn. <laughs> So I was like, you're hired. And I paid the other ones to go away. And then that was that. So he just started working from then on. And I was like, this is, it was perfect. So I got lucky. <laughs> yeah, it sounds perfect. It's, it is hard to find a collaborator. That's what I would say. Cause I mean, yeah. you know, I've seen writers that have a plan and they don't veer from it. It's really meticulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an art with working with somebody else, you know, kind of sharing the sandbox. <laughs> and um and which is what you've done you give and take but you got somebody who basically visualized the way you wanted it and um you go back and forth to me that's what makes comics so strong when you find a team like that yes i i i mean i like i said i i'll say it a hundred times i have never i never thought i'd get this lucky and it's so funny because either he'll hand in pages and i'll just be like that's perfect or there'll be like one page that needs like a thousand things fixed. Like we had, I was calling it the cur- the cursed page in book one, in issue one. It was just this one page when she's about to get hit by the car and Draven's calling her. For whatever reason, there was always a mistake. And it's not his fault. It was just something kept going wrong with it. Um, so I think it had to be fixed like eight times. But otherwise, he like, the other 20 something pages he just handed in. I'm like, these are great. <laughs> so like, this one page. so um, generally there's, there's, uh, there's no issue. And, and he just, he gives me about uh, two to three pages a day. So um, today we got two. Um, he wanted to kill me over this last week because there were like this really intense uh, vampire fight going on. And, and he's like, I thought this page would never end. <laughs> He's like, I spent all day on this. I thought it would never end. I'm like, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, I loved it. It's just, I felt like it would never end. Um, but he did an amazing job. We we had um, we had a tier that I, I did 43 interviews last campaign. And not once, like an idiot, did I mention that we had a tier that you could be drawn in as a vampire into the story. 
it was just an add-on. So the, the day before, I think it was the day it was ending, and there was like 17 hours left. I was like, oh, by the way, there's this tier. You can be drawn in as a vampire, and three people bought it. Um, so for this next one, we have the tier that you can be drawn in as a zombie. And you pick your clothes, your outfit, you, you, how you look. And then if you want to be killed, you can pick your way of death. And you oh. have two funerals. So we're going to have that as an add-on. It's a tier, and it's also a $99 add-on. Um, and he did such a phenomenal job on it. Um, and one of them is my brother. And my brother was so determined to be killed. I was like, this is great. I've been waiting 40 <laughs> years for this to happen. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he wanted to get his head chopped off. And then he wanted to be a zombie. And I was like, that's fine. You can be a zombie later. And then I said, in issue, in book four, you could be a demon in head carrying your head around. And so he's thrilled about that. Um, so, yeah. But everyone loved the whole being drawn in and everything so that is always a cool tier a cool add-on for people you know that 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 one always seems to go quickly in in a lot of the campaigns yeah this one only has i think 10 spots but once book three comes i mean we can have as many because the entire city's you know packed with them so we can have people but this one is uh we actually have and i didn't even realize this we have three different types of zombies and because someone said, what kind of zombies do you have? And I was like, what kind of zombies do I have? I was like trying to think of like, and I was like, well, actually, so book one is the kind that's like in Dawn of the Dead that come from hell. You know, when hell's full, they come. So since they're merging with hell, those are from hell. Uh, book two, they're actually dead bodies that are possessed by ghosts. So they're kind of, they're zombies, but they're possessed by the, the uh, patients in the asylum. And then book three is the infected kind. So you have the Resident Evil infected kind so yeah we have three different kinds of zombies so who knew <laughs> and working with all the mythos right you <laughs> yeah. gotta get them all in there <laughs> um, just don't do the running zombies those ones freak me out i don't want running zombies i'm out of shape i'm an asthmatic i can't deal with running zombies <laughs> yeah we don't have any running zombies but we do have one smart zombie who just wants to go after and kill them so that one's kind of scary um <laughs> Our, our vampires are a little bit unique um, for issue four, five, and six. They're introduced in four, they're in five more, and they're all in six. So our vampires are subspecies, so someone can't yell at me that those aren't vampires. They're subspecies of vampires. They're called clotters, and their heart beats every six hours, and that's right before rigor mortis can set in. So they have this clotted blood, which gives them strength, and also I hated that vampires would bleed and they have no heartbeat, so that always bothered me. So I had to fix it in my own thing. Um, but if they bite you and taste or taste your blood, they can track you anywhere like a homing beacon, and mm. then if you kill one of them, they will track you down for revenge no matter what and kill you. So in this three, three issues, um, they fight it, and of course, that's what happens. So now in six, they have to go destroy the entire nest of vampires before they can get to them. So um, that puts a nice little unique spin on it. So, mm. very awesome. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're that you're big into RPs. Um, anything particular that uh, set you in the directionality of writing this sort story? <laughs> um, so Resident Evil Two. Uh, when I, in the 90s, when it first came out, I can't tell you why, but I saw a commercial where the crocodile comes out to get Leon, and I don't know what it was about this, but I actually went out and bought PlayStation to rent this game to play it. Um, and I hadn't played anything except, like, mostly Atari, and I'm really being aging there, but, um, so I hadn't really played anything, and so I'm trying to play, there's no directions, 
and um, Leanne keeps walking into the fire and I'm getting really frustrated and I throw the controller and I'm really pissed off. So my brother comes in, picks it up like it's nothing and starts playing because he's been playing Zelda his whole life. Like he's, you know, special. Um, so I get mad at him, kick him out, start playing it. And I was completely addicted to it. I went out and bought that and Final Fantasy VII in the same day, went home, was reading the directions to Resident Evil 2, really pissed off that there's an auto-aim that I did not know about. Um, but yeah, I played this game and I got so obsessed with it. And then when I learned about role-playing, I was like, I got to be Claire Redfield because I wanted to be Claire Redfield. And uh, I RP'd her for 15 years. I was incredibly popular because I was the only one that stuck around for that long. And, um, and I'm dyslexic, so I started as a one-liner. Went to para, went to multi-para, and now I do 6,000-word replies like it's nothing. So. Holy cow. I think I got a little better. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that that's the beautiful beautiful thing about role-playing is that the longer you do it, the better you get at it, the more comfortable you are. You know? And th- this is coming from somebody that's like, I don't know, crap, 30 <laughs> years playing role-playing games. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love all of them. I used to play, what is it, Might and Magic, and and um, I'd never played any of the card games for whatever reason. Like, they're right up my alley, but I think I didn't want to learn the rules, or I got lazy, or something, I don't know. But I never played, like, Magic the Gathering, or, or anything. I used to watch them. I used to go to tournaments and watch people watch them, but I don't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah, well, t- trust me, I don't know what the hell's going on in Magic anymore, either. Um, <laughs> I, I recently was handed a, a tote full of Magic cards. Oh. And I started looking over it going, I don't know any of these rules. <laughs> yeah. The rule, like, I haven't played in 20 years. Okay. <laughs> Someone take this away from me, please. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, my, my husband always tells me, he's like, do you really want to learn something else? It's just something you're going to spend more money on. I was like, yeah, I know. I haven't spent anything, any money on anything but this story for the last uh, six months. So, and it's actually helping me out a little bit. Um, though I have been told I should make a... Uh, uh, like a, a role-playing game for it, but I'm like, I just, I just don't have that kind of patience to figure out all the, the, the ins and outs of how I would do that. So the, the funny thing is, I was going to ask if there was intentions on making a role-playing system for this. No, I, I've been asked like six times, so I don't know. I eventually someone's gonna wear me down, and I probably will. Um, I have been asked, um, what would I want, what's my greatest goal to like, would it be a movie or a show? Uh, I have to say um, the only thing that interests me is a rated R for violence uh, animated series. Like I would love an animated series because that way my characters look exactly how I want them to look. Um, I can, there. I mean, it's a 50 issue, you know, I, I they'd age if I did like a show. So this way I, they'll always look the same and you can't quit or die or whatever. So uh, I think an animated uh, series would be like the ultimate goal that I would, I would want sometime, but who knows? I'll probably come up with a game eventually when I <laughs> eventually someone will be like, you got to do a game. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. From experience, it's not that easy yeah. trying to create We've a whole new system. About this in the past. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't even know how I'm, um, I still don't know what I'm doing about the comic books. They just keep getting made. So, um, but yeah, I'm still converting the story. I think I'm up to like script 18. So I'm I'm ahead of the game, but um, I just have to keep keep on scripting and we keep on writing. Like I said. Uh, so it's a never-ending story. We're mad that that name's already taken because we would gladly have taken never-ending story. Oh. 
So, uh, yeah. Have you, have you read comics before you started doing one? In the 90s, I was obsessed with Ghost Rider. So, yeah. <laughs> Ghost Rider was my favorite. I started, I think, on issue seven with Danny. And then yes. I got into Johnny uh Johnny Blaze and then Spirit of the Vengeance and then I had to get every crossover there ever was and then I still have them they're actually in a box right here um (laughs) right there Uh, yeah I've got I've got uh, got all the Midnight Suns I've got I've got it all you're talking to like Ghost Rider fanatic here (laughs) I have all those I have the glow in the dark cover I have apparently I have one that doesn't have the barcode I guess there's there's a barcode sticker and one with a, mine doesn't have a barcode. I don't know if that's the glow in the dark one, but it, I think it is. Uh, I, I don't know. It means something, but I don't know. But yeah, I was. I even have the what if Barbara Catch was yes. Uh, Ghost yep. Rider. What if Barb so. became the the Ghost Rider instead? Yep, I have that too. <laughs> yep. yep, I got. I have an entire display case full of statues, pop figures, action figures. Yeah, I've got all the old '90s uh, toys that glow that had the glow in the dark parts and everything. I'm very jealous. I do not have those. I do have some prints that I fan art that I have. One of my covers. I don't know if you saw my covers for issue four. Uh, it's done by Ken Hunt, which is a DC artist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he worked on Batman and all that stuff. But he did uh, a Ghost Rider uh, print for me. It's a huge. Well, I absolutely love it. Um, awesome. And it looks just, but I would love to get like an official Ghost Rider, you know, print um, or art or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I've, yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I, I, it was so funny because somebody, I met somebody online because of it, and they're like, you like Ghost Riders? Like, I was like, like Ghost Rider? I have everyone right here. You know, it's been, it's been what, twenty something years? So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's still going. I mean, he's yeah. he's still out there too. It's uh, one now, right? It's somebody else. Um. So, current Ghost Riders are Johnny Blaze, Danny, Robbie Reyes, and Frank Castle as Cosmic Ghost Rider. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Which I just finished reading the Cosmic Go- uh, um, uh, Donny Cates run on Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Um, nice. Ghost Rider in Space, Galactic, you know, very different than what we're used to reading with Blaze and, and Danny, but still great. Still yeah. great. So. Yeah. I, lo- I like the whole – Spirits of the Vengeance is actually a favorite because I like the contrast between the two, you know. I mean, I, I like how Johnny, to him, it was a, a demon, and to, to Danny, it's like a savior. And Yeah. Um, I do have some of the original. My brother was more into the original than I was, so, but I do have some of them. But um, Danny Ketch was great, and uh, – I remember the one where he died and they were trying to save him and and when they went to what Doctor Strange and all that stuff and yep. yeah yeah and then they, then they had that double gatefold cover of yep. the transformation across yes, which I the melting t-shirt of the, yeah. the t-shirt of that cover <laughs> that was a great cover the whole melting of the skin yeah that was a really good one yeah, yeah. not enough to go read those I I have to, I remember them pretty freaking well considering I haven't probably opened them since the 90s. Uh, but I think I read them so many times in the 90s. It's just like ingrained. Uh, like I loved it when X-Men crossed over with Spirits of the Vengeance. Venom crossed over with Spirits of the Vengeance. And it wasn't even that long of a run, I don't think. Or at the No, it was only a couple issues, like two yeah. or three. So Yeah, but they had a lot of guest, guest stars crossover. I love crossovers. So I'm yeah. one of those people. <laughs> so you, you, you'll get a kick out of this story real quick. Uh, Mark Texera comes to the local comic book shop 
And I was like, oh, I got to get him to sign my copies. I got to get I go and pull my Ghost Rider number one. It is so beaten, so hammered. Oh, oh, it's... Oh, the the spine is wrecked. It's pra- the cover's practically coming off. I walk up to Mark and I take it out and I hand it to him and he looks at it and he looks at me and he's like, <laughs> "Big fan, huh?" <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, I never got to meet him. It, I haven't really met anybody in the comic field that is an indie. But um, I don't know if you knew. Uh, do you ever read The Crow, the graphic novel, The Crow? Oh, yeah, okay, so that was. Yeah, that was my favorite. Um, and I'm meeting him this Friday and Saturday. He's at the same con I'm at. So my husband has to come watch my table as I wait in line for my very first autograph. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. And I heard he's a really nice guy. So, he is. Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. So I'm excited to meet him. Uh, I don't think I don't think I will tell him that my character is, is using the last name of his character as its first name. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we've got Draven. But uh, <laughs> and I don't even think we did that on purpose. We didn't think we both were big crow fans, but we hadn't thought of it. It wasn't like, oh, we can use Draven from the crow. It wasn't. It was just like, oh, the name we were seeing a list and Draven came up. I was like, oh, we're going to have Draven. And then it was after like, oh, wait, Eric Draven. Right. I knew that. You know, it's funny is I didn't even make that connection until you made, you talked about yeah. it just now. I never like and I and I know the name. I know the story. Yeah. I have. I have an autographed copy of like the graphic novel here somewhere, you know, right. uh, and I hopefully will too this weekend. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> James Abar is a really, really nice guy to me. Uh, yeah. So is Texera too. Texera's he's out there too. He is a lot of fun. He yeah. is. Oh yeah. He'll talk your ear off. Um, he still go to cons? I don't know. I haven't seen him in a few years now. Um, he, I'm just, I'm slowly getting my husband into the cons because he came for the first time this last time. He's like, these are really cool. I was like, really? We got to go to more then. <laughs> uh, uh, I've drawn you in. Now yes. get ready for chaos. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, it's what I do best, chaos. But yeah, he, he actually had a really fun time. He loved the costumes and everything. Um, I'm tempted to buy. I just saw online there's a Claire Redfield jacket that I, I might be buying so that I can I can wear. Her. But yeah, I, he was there. I didn't think he'd like it. We went to Nashville and he's never been to one. I've only been to like four other cons. I hated Lexington. I, let me rephrase that. I hated Lexington as a booth because no one could hear me. I couldn't talk to her and it was so loud. However, I am dying to go back for the show and actually attend um, because it was huge. I mean, it was absolutely huge. It was like four huge rooms with it. It was just amazing. But as an independent there, it did not go well for me. It was just too loud. I couldn't explain my story or sell myself or anything. Um, but Nashville was great. And it was the first time my husband attended. And I was like, you're never going to want to sit there for eight hours straight. You're going to have a horrible time. Like, he absolutely loved it. And he tried to sell the comic, but he didn't know what's going on. So he tried really hard. He's <laughs> a lot quieter than I am. So nobody heard him. Uh, and I was like, you could just you you could just go get me pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> well, but obviously you're doing something right with selling the the concept <clears throat> book because I'm watching your I look at your Kickstarters the three that you've done so far each one just gets more and more backers every single time yeah and your first one was successful it it was successful I did not advertise it at all I did not do any shows I didn't tell anyone I was doing it I literally just told people in my everyday life that oh I'm releasing a comic book none of them read comic books. So, and it, the weird thing is my brother, who's been collecting comic books for about 40 years, 
thought it was a bad idea. He's like, it's stupid. You know, it's, it won't be your story. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? So now that it's released, now he's obsessed with it. He's an editor in it, so he can have his name in it. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's like, my first editing job. I was like, yeah, I have another editor. Um, but uh, <laughs> You just but don't yeah. tell him that part. <laughs> no, I won't tell him that part. Um, but yeah, now he he buys it. My mom buys it. She doesn't read any horror, so... Um, but uh, she, <laughs> I'm putting her review in the back of my graphic novel. Um, she wrote to me and said, I finally read your story. And except for all the F words, it was pretty good. <laughs> so that's uh, going in the back of my, my thing. But she buys every single one of them. Um, she hates horror. She hates comics, but she's very supportive. Uh, so that's good. And my clients, I run my own business and they're very supportive. They None of them read a comic before me. And now they're like, oh, this is a great story. So that really helped. Uh, so they've been supporting me. Um, but yeah, I got really lucky. Each one's getting better. So I guess that's the direction I want to go in. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask this because you mentioned it, uh, <laughs> being dyslexic. How hard is it sometimes to get the words on the page for you? Um, I, so... I know for me, <laughs> I, I, I will go back and reread my stuff and go, what the hell was I trying to say? I just have to read my own writing sometimes. I've I've gotten better with that. So my biggest issue, um, I don't read it back until the end, um, because I just don't want to stop. But I would say the hardest part is there's two things that that happens. One, my brain will write a word that sounds similar to the word that I wanted. Yep. Um, but the other thing is I can't spell the word. I have a, a huge, and I don't know where it came from, mind you huge dictionary in my head with these huge words that I know all the meanings for, I cannot spell them. Like I I could barely say them. So um, when I was a kid, I had a spell checker that was crap, could not figure out whatever word I was wanting. Google's a lot better. Word still sucks. Um, But Google's a little bit better. Um, If I can pronounce it, which is eh, four out of 10 times, um, my phone, I'm like, how do you spell whatever? That's a lifesaver. Okay, so Um, I'm the only one doing it. I love it. No, but which is what I used to have to do is not only did I have a dictionary in my head, I had a thesaurus. So I literally had to dumb down my own writing so that I can get it on the paper. Um, So now, thanks to Google and my phone, I can actually get those big words out or I could do the dumb down word and look up the the words that I want to see. So I I love Google for that very reason. I'm I'm an encyclopedia kid. I used to have to run to the living room and grab the encyclopedia, but I couldn't spell half the words I wanted anyway. Um, but that was, that was a, a huge kids today. I'm going to be the old person. Kids, they have no idea how easy they have it when it comes to the Google. No. <laughs> it's like, they don't, they have no, no. idea. Yeah, but. definitely not. Now, if you see an actor, you could be, you can't just be like, where was, what movie were they in? And now you can be like, oh, they were in, we do it every day. We did it today. Like, where's that actor from? So we absolutely love it. Chris, we're coming up on it before we let you go. Is there anything you want everybody to know about the book, where to find it, things that you haven't gotten a chance to mention yet? Um, I would say, so first what I forgot to mention, and I always forget to mention anything, um, we actually had a song written and performed for our book. So the lyrics are based on our two characters. It's actually an add-on where you can download the instrumental version and the vocal version, and it's actually getting redone uh, for next year. Uh, So we will have another version of that. Um, it's on all the videos. Our intro video is the music for the, our song. Um, where to find us? Uh, I am on Twitter at 
uh, worthy underscore chaos. I am on Facebook. We actually have a worthy chaos uh, group where you can join it. And then I, I always like to um, post, uh, you know, the progress of covers and, and artwork and rewards that come out. So everyone gets to see those ahead of time. Uh, you can also add me, Carissa Grant, because I'm one of those people that'll talk to anybody. Um, and, um, and anybody that's new, I always support the indie people. So like I'm an unofficial PR person for them and I help, you know, get them on and stuff. Um, but to find us on Kickstarter is the easiest thing on the planet. All you have to do is search Worthy Chaos. We are the only thing that pops up uh, and you get to see all the that you could, you know, all can see. And um, so, yeah, just go to Kickstarter, select Worthy Chaos. Our pre-launch is up. By the time this is up, I think it'll be live. So I'm hoping for the same thing as last time. We were funded in six in six hours. So I don't know if that'll happen again, but I'm hoping. So I'm hopeful. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. All right. Everyone listening, we use fake comic book covers for the Facebook page and the Facebook group to announce a new episode. Uh, If you like to draw, we're always looking for covers. Uh, We can't pay you for it because we have no money, but you'll live on in infamy. And if you allow us to, we'll add it to the cover gallery of the blog. A lot of people enjoy these. And if you're any kind of singer, musician, performance artist, if you can put on an MP3, we have a music break when we don't have a guest. Um, Again, we can't pay you for it, but we'll add it to it and we'll add you on a link on the music music page if you'll allow us. And on the sidebar, we have merchandise. We have three different T-shirts. It's not to make us rich. It's just to help us with the hosting fees. Listen to the show. Wear the shirt. Rook? Everybody check us out, bunchofdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. You're going to find examples of things we talked about on this show and all the others. Until next time, everybody. Read. More. Worthy Chaos Comics. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click Click on on the Cyclops. Your Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.